0: Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. And today we are continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke. And we're in a passage that um, deals with Jesus's baptism and then his genealogy. And the two are connected in ways that we might not immediately suspect. Genealogy is kind of long; there are seventy-seven names. We're going to skip most of them. So we're going to start. Uh, we're going to start at the beginning and then jump down, and you'll see when we skip. So we're in Luke chapter three, uh, verses twenty-one through twenty-four, and then picking up again at thirty-seven to thirty-eight. So Luke chapter 3, where we read this. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of heli heli was the son of Mathat, Methat was the son of Levi. Levi was the son of Melki. Melki was the son of Jannai. Jenai was the son of Joseph. And then, skipping most of the seventy-seven names, Lamech was the son of Methuselah. Methuselah was the son of Enoch. Enoch was the son of Jared. Jared was the son of Mahalalel. Mahalalel was the son of Kenan. Kenan was the son of Enosh. Enosh was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. Adam. Was the son of God. And this is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Well, Dave, I know that genealogies are not much of a focus in modern society, although there's kind of a a cottage industry uh, surrounding that. Um, And I know, but most of the history of the world and most cultures in the world actually have a much greater interest in that. I remember uh, in high school, one of my friends, Jen. Um, he was from China and uh, they actually had this this bound book that was like a written lineage that everyone in their family had, every, you know, had a copy. This written lineage of their family was several hundred pages long. Uh, One country that kind of uh, interestingly has an interest in uh, these genealogies is Iceland uh, because it's such a small nation and uh, there's uh, so much interrelationship. They actually have an Icelander app uh, whose most popular usage is to link to the online database of all the people in Iceland so that you can know if you're accidentally going to date someone who's like a second cousin or something like that. So that's one of the most popular uses uh, for that app. But here we have uh, a genealogy of Jesus in Luke. We saw one in Matthew as well. Although they they come in different places, they have different names and they serve very different purposes. Matthew starts with Abraham, uh, who received the covenant from God and traces through King David. And this was important for Matthew's Jewish audience because it was connecting to all the promises of the covenant. And that was Matthew's main focus of of communicating to these Jewish followers of Jesus to see that this was a true son of Abraham and of the lineage of the King David, inheritor of all those promises. Luke is writing to a very different audience and so has a different purpose. He's writing to a wider Greek audience speaking non-Jewish audience who wouldn't really know much about Abraham nor feel connected necessarily to uh, King David. Uh, So one of the first things that happens that's different is Luke goes backwards in time. He goes in reverse order instead of uh, forward like uh, Matthew does. And rather than going back to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, he goes all the way back past Abraham, about 20 more names, to uh, Adam the son of God. And uh, and Adam, who is the first human being, and so this is a someone whom, to whom we are all connected. We might not have all have a connection physically to Abraham, but we all are connected through Adam. So that, that's one difference. Um, another difference is that both of them, Matthew and Luke, skip many generations, and so they're being selective in who they include. And Matthew is very focused on kind of like the kingly line of David, uh, whereas Luke is uh, including different names and, you know, kind of like with the Icelander app, you can often trace your way back to a common ancestor through many different uh, forebears. Uh, so they have a slightly different focus there. But the probably the biggest difference, the most interesting difference between these lineages is that Jesus is focusing on, I mean, excuse me, uh, Matthew is focusing on Jesus as a son of David, but Luke is interested not so much that he's a son of David, um, because we don't have a strong, most of us don't have a strong connection unless we're Jewish to to David, but rather that he is uh, the son of God, which is what it specifies at the end of the genealogy, which is actually what connects it right back to the baptism that prefaces the genealogy. Um, there's this revelation during the baptism. God speaks directly saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, right? And so there's this testimony in the descent of the spirit that this is the son of God. And so this really uh, brings like the baptism and the end of the genealogy with the reference to the son of God is kind of like bookends about who Jesus is. That uh, first of all, Jesus... uh, Is joining in with us all in the baptism. Jesus doesn't need to be baptized like John the Baptist said, I'm not even fit to untie this person's sandals. Um, He's never sinned. He doesn't need to repent, but he's identifying with us all in the same way Luke is connecting Jesus to us all by connecting him all the way back. Uh, to Adam. And so Jesus is identifying with us all and is already beginning to take on the sin of the world. It's not something that just happens at the cross, although that's the fulfillment of it, but it's happening already here where Jesus is entering into our baptism. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage.
1: Well, as you know, because you've heard me preach on this and we've talked about it, that I I actually sort of read this baptism story with a in a slightly different way, uh, in that you know, you've talked about how Jesus is identifying with the people, right? As he's, you know, they're getting baptized for their own sins. He's getting baptized for the sin of the world. Uh, I, I, my, the nuance to me actually feels very meaningful. Uh, I, my way of reading it is that all of the people going to have their sins washed away in the Jordan. You know what happens if you take a whole bunch of like a, you know, wash a bunch of clothes in in the same water? Even when you wash your car, you look at the water after you're like, oh my gosh, this is disgusting right all of the dirt now is in the water and uh and so actually what Jesus is doing is going into the to the place where everyone else has been baptized have their sins washed off Jesus is going into the dirty water to suck it all up to take it all on to himself right he's absorbing the sin of the world and he's now carrying this sin that wasn't his it's our sin right that he now is taking on and that's how he's going to go to the cross, right? And our sin is nailed to the cross. Well, how does that happen? Right? I, how, how did Jesus sin? How did my sin get on Jesus? It was the baptism. And so there's this way that as, as Jesus is, is, you know, very literally being baptized in the water, he's symbolically absorbing all of our sin and taking responsibility for it. Which is why I think the baptism of Jesus is such a big deal. Because it's it's then, right? Jesus has this choice, and Jesus makes a choice to now you know, to take all this on. And it's after that that Jesus is going to go out and experience temptation and all these kinds of things. Because now he's carrying the sin of the world. So to me, that's always been a, a subtle but I think really significant uh, difference in a way of just appreciating what's going on in this story. And why is it that multiple gospels tell the story of Jesus' baptism, which is a little bit of a factoid, you know, kind of like an irrelevant detail, If it's not for this, I think. Uh, But then the other piece that, of course, sticks out to me, I think is one of the most important moments, devotionally at least. It's one of the most important moments in the scriptures. I know I say that a lot. But this one is. This one is one of them. Uh, Is When it says that right as he's being baptized, he comes up and it says the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And I think this is such an important thing because it's before Jesus goes out to be tempted. It's before you know, all of the, um, uh, the any of the good stuff that Jesus is going to do, all the miracles and all the incredible teaching, all the amazing stuff that would make, you know, you you would think the, the my father in heaven would be like, oh, now I'm proud. Look what this kid did. He hasn't done any of it yet. And it's now, before he's done any of these things, that the father assures him, you are my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. And and the reason I think this is so significant for all of us is there are a lot of us who are laboring and laboring and laboring and laboring, trying to do good things in order to hear God say, you are my dearly loved child. You bring me great joy. We're hoping that we're going to hear that. And, And yet instead of coming at the end of his ministry, it comes at the very beginning, before it really even begins. And I think I need to start hearing this and then living out of the love of God rather than living in search of the love of God. I think that makes all the difference in the way that we live, in the way that we treat others, in the way that we understand ministry. If I can live as one who is loved rather than one who longs to be loved. Well, then I'm going to have so much to give, right? I'm going to be able to now to offer love to other people instead of trying to extract it in every little place I can get it, which is the way so many of us live. And so it's so essential that we hear this good news, that we read the Gospels, that we're reminded daily of this, uh, of, of the, the way our Father loves us. We need to be reminded of this all the time because all the time we go out into the world and everyone tells us that we're really not all that good. We're certainly not good enough. We're not very valuable. Nobody really cares. And we just see it reinforced in a million ways and it's hard not to believe. And that's why I need to come back and be reminded again and again and again every day. No, I I am loved. I am created by God. And the father of everything and everyone loves me. And now I'm going to go out with confidence instead of going out in search of something. And so anyway, I think that to me is such a, a key piece of the way that we follow Jesus. And I, I feel like, you know, I'd encourage all of us, maybe as you're praying today, like right, Listen for that. Ask God, am I your dearly loved child? Do I bring you great joy? Bring that to God in prayer because it is true, and yet so few of us can hold on to that truth. And I, I think that our insecurity and our anger and our fear and anxiety, so much of it comes out of that rather than being able to just have the confidence and assurance, the comfort that we'd have even moments, I don't really know what's going on, but you know, it seems like these circumstances aren't quite working out right very well for me, but you know what I know? I know that the one who can control everything loves me like crazy. So I'm not going to worry too much. And I think that really changes the way that we live.
0: That, that's such an important lesson. Uh, it's it's one that I struggle with. I, I grew up in an environment where if you got praise, it was because you did like A-level work or A-plus level work. And anything else, less was uh, viewed as, you know, to praise for anything less was viewed as kind of like letting people slide or something like that. And it's been really hard for me to change that even in, in my own parenting. And it reminds me of this, uh, 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 one of the football coaches at Wheaton who had worked with a professional coach, uh, professional football coach. And he said that this person's uh, particular leadership style, the reason why he was successful was he chose wounded people, people who were deeply wounded and who had this deep need for this kind of uh, approval and, and being good enough. And he was able to capitalize on their woundedness to get performance out of them. The downside of that is that it, it tore through people and mm-hmm. it left people with kind of a wake of destruction in their personal lives as well, because they were constantly craving an affirmation that they could never fully satisfy. And so it, it was it was kind of a parasitic form of leadership. And this 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 person was contrasting it with the way that 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 Jesus leads and, and the way that God the Father here is leading, leading Jesus. And I think it's a really important lesson for us to remember to operate out of love, having received love rather than out of the, you know, performing out of a desire to finally satisfy that need to be loved, which when we do it that way ends up never being satisfied because we can never know if we are truly good enough, if we've done well enough.
1: Hmm. Amen. Well, John, can I close this some prayer for today? I would love that. Lord, we recognize this truth that you came and that you didn't just come to watch or to jeer or to stand at a distance, Lord, that you got dirty. You took on our sin and you loved real people, broken people, hurtful people, just like us. God, I pray that today we would have the ears to hear your word of love. God, I pray that above all of the voices, that will tell us that we're not good enough today, Lord, that we would hear your voice more loudly. You are my child, whom I love. You bring me great joy. God, I pray that we would have the ears to hear that today. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, who is our brother and our Savior. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us, and I really do hope you are able to come back tomorrow when we see an even clearer picture of Jesus taking on our sins. So join us again tomorrow. Go in peace.